when I was an agent, what I saw the best athletes and coaches do was they looked at their lives through the lens of energy. And then when I transitioned to the business world, what I found was business people look at their lives through the lens of their calendar. Mm-hmm. And it was so fascinating to me because the best athletes in the world, as you know, make sure that they have the energy for the games, the moments, the practices, and and, and the best of the best don't get bogged down and distracted by all the other things that come at them consistently. That is the voice of Molly Fletcher, who CNN called the female Jerry Maguire. We're going to talk all about energy management, negotiation, and how to have the courage to ask for what you want and actually get it. And much, much more here on today's Super U Podcast. That's one small step for man. Liftoff. We have a We choose to go to the moon, not because they are easy, but because they I are I have hard. a dream. You can't handle the truth. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Super, 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 super. Super you. Welcome to today's Super U Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Quaman. Most of you know me as Equal Man. Today, we have Molly Fletcher, who CNN called the female Jerry Maguire. That's because during her two-decade career as a sports agent, she negotiated, get this, over $500 million, you heard me right, $500 million in contracts, and represented over 300 of sports' biggest names, including Hall of Fame pitcher John Smoltz from Michigan, of course, PGA Tour golfer Matt Kuchar, Broadcaster Erin Andrews, we all know her. And of course, my favorite basketball championship coaches, Tom Izzo and Doc Rivers. Today, she's one of the world's top 50 keynote speakers. She delivers inspiring messages to audiences around the world. And she's authored five books, including The Energy Clock, Fearless at Work, and A Winner's Guide to Negotiation. And you need to check out her podcast, Game Changers. She's had on Arthur Blank, Dabo Sweeney, John Mackey, founder of Whole Foods, Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right, and many, many more, including Simon Sinek. My hope is you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Well, welcome to the show, Molly Fletcher. We're super excited to have you on the Super You podcast. I'm excited to be here, Eric. This is going to be super fun. No, it's so good to see you. And we always like to kick things off so the audience knows a little bit more about you. It's just uh, kind of your origin story. How'd you get where you are? I mean, you're the female Jerry Maguire, and now you're one of the top keynote speakers across the world. So how do we go from A to all of a sudden excellence and awesomeness? Well, I, uh, I I think I need a pair of green glasses like you, man, and then I'll really get there. But how much time do you have relative to the people that I want to say thank you to? I, I have incredible parents, an unbelievable husband, three children who are a gift from heaven in many ways. So I would say so much of it started there. And, um, you know, I played tennis at Michigan State. So much I learned on the on the tennis court relative to feedback and competition and teamwork and resilience and attitude and mindset. And then I wanted to be in the business of sports, Eric, and I didn't know what that meant. Yeah, really. But um I decided I grew up in East Lansing, Michigan, and I was such a rebel. I went two miles away to college, but <laughs> I, I wanted to be in the business of sports. And so I moved to Atlanta and through kind of a, a journey that I can share at, at some point, if you want, I, I, I got an opportunity with a small agency and started doing marketing and endorsement deals. 
And then after the Olympics ended and, and kind of things had settled a bit, I remember sort of thinking, how are we going to grow this agency? I mean, we had four or five clients, a couple NBA coaches, a baseball guy. I thought, how are we going to do this? And so I approached the leader of the business and said, what if we got more aggressive relative to the way that we went after clients? Because it'd been pretty referral based. And I'm sure he was looking at me, right, Eric, with a pair of pink pants on or something, thinking, "Who? how is this chick going to go sign baseball guys, right? And um, I put a business plan together and, you know, thankfully he blessed it. And and I was sort of off to the races trying to sign, you know, guys really primarily in baseball coming out in the draft. I certainly wasn't going to start with A-Rod and Jeter, right? I needed to go get some young yeah. top round guys. And, and then it evolved about 300 athletes, coaches and broadcast over over about almost two decades. Wrote a couple books and then the speaking sort of took off from there very organically um, and really fell in love with the the opportunity to impact people's lives in a really positive way through through the lens of sports, through the metaphor of sports, through the experience I'd had with some incredible athletes and coaches and being able to share those stories in a way that people can lay it over top of their their work and their lives personally and professionally to be a better version of themselves, hopefully. And, and, and then we have training and, you know, a podcast too. So I'll pause there, but that's sort of the cliff note version, man. No, I love it. It's crazy. Cause we were introduced by a mutual friend and then we started realizing, wait, we were at Michigan state almost at the exact same time. You were playing tennis. I was playing basketball. Um, so it's wild. Where'd you grow up in Michigan? What you grew up in Lansing? Okay, so that's good. What high school did you go to? I went to East Lansing High School. I grew up right in East Lansing. I mean, a couple miles from, from uh, you know, a couple miles from campus. What about you? So I grew up in Rochester, and then and then um, it's interesting because then you went to Atlanta. So yeah. then I basically followed you several years later. I was in Atlanta in '99, okay. um, and it looks like you're in the Buckhead area, but. Um, it's crazy. So you got down to Atlanta and then just with Michigan State kind of circling back, one of your yeah. clients is Coach Izzo. Yeah. Um, and I was just actually with him a couple months ago because I was giving the commencement address up there. He's awesome, as you know. Uh, and what do you do with Coach Izzo? Well, I represented Tom, right? So um, I, I recruited, uh, I, I signed a couple coaches and I always believed as I built different verticals inside of the organization, I wanted to anchor the vertical, be it college coaches, golfers with just the best of the best. And 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 really, because I knew that if I got, you know, an Izzo, we got Donovan, Billy Donovan when he was at Florida. But when, when you get guys like that or gals like that, depending on now, it makes it a little easier to get into the room with others. Because Tom, as you know, has such an incredible reputation, mm -hmm. both in the coaching world and outside of it. Um, so for Tom, it was it was. Um, you know, helping to navigate some of the NBA opportunities that were showing up, um, the Michigan State contract, um, and and of course all of you know endorsements, appearances, and and then really more than anything else, listening to him complain about Twitter and now the transfer portal is really kind of now my my role in it. <laughs> there you go. No, no, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, he's the, he's the best. He's he's definitely one of my favorite human beings who happens to be a heck of a basketball coach. Yeah, he's the best. I can't wait to see the statue, the build. That's gonna be awesome. 
Um, and then you mentioned you played tennis, you're a captain at Michigan State, and then that helped you in your current career. And obviously, you've written a ton of books. One of the latest and greatest, which I know our listeners will love, is The Energy Clock. You say there's three simple steps to a life full of energy and to live your best every day. Do you mind walking us through those, those steps um, so we have that energy? Yeah, for sure. This book really came about... Because when I was an agent, what I saw the best athletes and coaches do was they looked at their lives through the lens of energy. And then when I transitioned to the business world, what I found was business people look at their lives through the lens of their calendar. Mm -hmm. And it was so fascinating to me because the best athletes in the world, as you know, make sure that they have the energy for the the games, the moments, the practices, and, and, and the best of the best don't get bogged down and distracted by all the other things that come at them consistently. But then when I got to the business world, I was like, this is so fascinating. I mean, business people accept meetings. They go to these coffees, lunches, cocktail, whatever. And 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 so often it's really not laddering up to maybe the thing in their life that in fact matters most, the moment in the day, in the week, the people that, that matter most. And and so there was sort of that lens at some level. And then and then really the book was a bit of a result of mistakes that I was making in my own life relative to managing my own energy. And I, I, I'll tell this brief story. I, I was beginning to speak and, and, and uh, I think I'd given like a keynote in like Miami and then I went to Vegas and then Vegas to Boston. And then I had a meeting in Miami and flew my mom down from Michigan to help with our girls who were six, six and seven, I think at the time about, I remember though boarding a plane and I was really exhausted. And I remember thinking, man, I am smoked. And I got to, and I'm, I've got to step out on a stage in front of a thousand people and speak on performance and I don't have any energy. So long story short, that was when I really pulled back and, and started to look at my own schedule through the lens of energy and create a system by which I could ensure I had the kind of energy that I needed for the moments that matter most. And I think, you know, so often in life, books, thoughts, ideas often stem from us as individuals leaning into it ourselves and then testing it, seeing the benefits and then saying, hey, I want want to share this with others in case it helps them. So, to get to your question, one of the things that we teach in our energy training and that's in the book, et cetera, is an energy audit. And so to me, the first step is getting really clear on you know what gives you energy, what are the things that give you energy, and what are the things that drain your energy, and what are the neutrals? And we want to maximize the the moments that give us energy. We want to make sure we have those in our days consistently. We want to minimize, delegate, remove the drainers. And then we want to be as efficient as we possibly can with the neutrals. And so the audit, which we can send and you can put in the show notes if you want, if it would help people, is a way for people to start to create the kind of alignment that you need. To me, balance, actually, Eric, is bullshit. I mean, I just don't think there is such a thing in the world that we live in today. It's about alignment. It's about getting clear on your deepest values on the people in your life who matter most, and then getting really clear on that and then living into that through alignment rather than at some level balance. Because balance to me is, I mean, I was pretty out of balance when I was building my career early on. And and, and then as you have more demand in your life, as you age, you have to train 
to create the kind of alignment that you need to perform at your best and to live into the people and the values that matter most to you. No, that makes sense. And then what's walk us through like what's a good day for Molly Fletcher? What does that entail? Oh, that's gonna probably lead to a good day. And then what would be a not so great day? We're like, oh, that pattern, when that happens, it's not a great day. You know, I'll start with what what's not a great day would be, and and these don't happen a lot anymore, to be honest, because I lean into this uh training at some level so much. But you know, it would have been, for example, uh, landing in Vegas for uh, a keynote and not giving myself enough time relative to the time zone to make sure that I get a good night's sleep, not planning my morning the following morning because I've loaded it with phone calls or Zoom calls or conversations to be able to get a workout in. So I've, I've, I've compromised my physical sort of state, if you will, because I've not gotten the kind of sleep that I need, the workout that I need. Mentally, I, I'm I'm a little fried because I haven't created enough space. For me, I have to feel super aligned with my my husband, my kids, my parents, mm-hmm. my brothers. We talk every day, and if I don't fill that up every day, I, I really feel incomplete. So I've got to create enough space for that to happen. So it would be it would be loading that up, and then it might be delivering a keynote, jumping on another call, flying into a car a red eye back to Atlanta yep. and then um, a, a loaded morning the next morning. That That's a disaster, right? That's setting yourself up to be compromised um, or landing and, you know, jumping into your car to attend something for your kids and then not feeling present in the moment when you're there because you're physically exhausted, you're mentally drained you haven't even gone home. You've landed straight from the airport to go to, I remember this happened once, to go to one of my daughter's events at school, a volleyball game. I, and I got there and I was just like dizzy because I hadn't stopped between sort of leaving Atlanta mm-hmm. and coming back. So there would be, that would be not optimal. Optimal would be, you know, maybe you take the flight early so you get there and you have enough time for a great night's sleep and a great dinner and and and, and just fueling your body with the right kind of stuff. Uh, you know, creating a block in the morning before the keynote to get the workout in, to have the space to make the phone calls to the people in your life that matter most. And then I'm too old for red eyes. I don't do them anymore, no matter what. It's just not happening. So not making that decision and and then feeling rested and getting back. And then a lot of times if I've got some back-to-back stuff and I'm traveling, I'll block some time in the morning when I'm back for workouts for, you know, I do saunas, I do cold plunges, I do all that stuff um, to to create some space. Um, because I think, you know, physical, physical well-being is integral to clip at a pace that candidly that I clip at. And so you've got to take care of yourself physically to be yeah. able to do that and mentally. But does that, that, that would be sort of not optimal. And I think one of the things that we teach in the audit is sort of what your listeners can do is pull back and say, what are the drainers? Put those in red on your calendar, put them in red. Then what are the things that give you energy? Put those in green and then take a minute. And and, and maybe one way to do this is <laughs> to go back, right? So look at last week, if you're a listener, go back because now your admin, maybe your team, they're not looking at last week because the last thing you want your head of sales to see is that the one-on-one with her is a red or him with a red, right? So, <laughs> but go back and- That'd be bad. Yeah, and and, and color code it and look at it. And, and what I encourage people to do is you, you can't pour from an empty cup. So if you've got back-to-back-to-back to back to back reds, 
you've got to insert some micro breaks mm-hmm. and some greens so that you can have the kind of energy to show back up for, for the for the next one. So that's a just a quick, easy way to get a visual of, man, I got a lot of reds on my calendar. How can I backload it with some greens so that because if you go from a if you go into a red with a full cup, when you come out of a red, a drainer, you're maybe at half full, but you're not on E because you've because you filled yourself up enough to step into that moment. I like that. That's a good approach. And then I'm sure you're also looking several weeks out. I've gotten better at that. That's helped me a ton. Totally. I look out of the calendar several weeks out to be like, wait, this is overpacked on this day. Or why do we have this? Who's, what are we doing with this meeting? Uh, and so try to, you still have to have some reds, but just try to space them out or yep. sometimes eliminate them. Go, wait, I, yeah. let's just, we're done with these. Like, get rid of that. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. I mean, I'll go out about 30 days, 60 days, and then sometimes even out farther if something comes in and I've got to make some decisions, um, you know, I'll go out farther. But yeah, you want to you want to go out as far as you can so that you can. And I think, too, the other thing, Eric, that kind of comes up for me whenever I feel like I have haven't done a good job at this and I find myself where the level of demand is exceeding capacity and I don't feel like I've got a gap or a break or anything to catch my breath, I'll look out and my mom actually was the one that really taught me this, but I'll look out three or four days and I'll get rid of anything that isn't time sensitive. I'll just remove it, push it out a week, whatever, so that I can grab back some time for things that aren't essential, that aren't time sensitive to to get a little space for for to to, to reset physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, all that stuff. No, it makes sense because you're not right. You can't deliver if your keynote speech. If you're not right, you could get dizzy. You pass out. You're, you're no good to anyone. So that's that's great, great advice. And you've negotiated over five hundred million dollars worth of deals, which is insane to think about. And and as you said, you kind of were breaking some glass ceilings. You're the female Jerry Maguire going into this very male dominated world. Um, kind of, we've seen some in shows. The movie, obviously, Jerry Maguire, like. We see this kind of, this is what happens in sports negotiation. What's true, and for the layperson like myself, what's true behind the scenes and what's false of those things you see on, on TV and in the movies? Oh, this is a really cool way to ask this question, Eric. I've never really had it asked this way, by the way. That's a really good, great way to think about it. What's true, I would say, is that the athletes have a very unique and short window of time to make an enormous amount of money. That's true. What's true is that they need really, really good people around them who have no agenda Mm -hmm. except for them to maximize that window of time. What's true is the level of demand on them personally and professionally is significant. And the ability for them to focus and prioritize against that is um, imperative. And as an agent, my role was to help them filter through the noise and focus on what really mattered. What's true is they they generally have enormous egos. What's true is they're generally also often fairly insecure and uncomfortable with themselves. You know, what's true is that everybody's up their ass all the time. They got I their mean, entourage. I'll never forget one of my guys. It was hilarious. Just to insert a little humor here. I mean, I remember I was on the phone with him and he was on his way to the ballpark. They're all superstitious as heck, right? Most of yeah. them. But Or he's on the way to the ballpark and he's calling me. All of a sudden, he's like, oh, man. And I'm like, dude, what's up? And he's like, oh. And I go, what's up? And he goes, 
I'm getting pulled over and I'm like, oh, dude, man, call me back. No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. Just one sec. So he just sets the phone down and and the cop comes up and sees who it is and goes, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me, dude. No way. Like, this is my life. Like, da, 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 all this stuff. And he's like, listen, listen, you got to get to the ballpark, you know, like you got to go to the player. And and he says, uh, um, here's here's the deal. Just sign this ticket for me. Like, I'm not giving you a ticket, but just sign it and I'll let you go. Get on with your day, man. Good luck tonight. And I'm listening to this and I'm like, this is this is the thing. This happens. This happens all the time. Those are true. I would say, you know, what what I always joke about, what's false is John Smoltz, Michigan guy. He was, remember John kind of coming up to the office one day and he was sort of, he's a total practical joker, loves to, you know, sort of be, be joking around often. And he comes down the hallway with this suitcase of coins, like the chocolate candy coins in a suitcase. And he's like, show me the money. Like he's coming down the hall, like all cheesy and dorky with this thing. And I like laughed and I said, you know what though, John, the the difference between that movie and you and the 200 plus other clients is he in the movie, Jerry Maguire, he had one guy. Yeah. I got 300 of you, dude. I said, John. So you know, the level of demand that you saw in that movie uh, was significant. And that was one client. So it is a 24-7 nonstop deal that, um, you know, you you do feel a little tied to your phone. No question about it when you're in that space. No, I love it. I love it. Smolty. It's great. And then when we're looking at negotiations, so we negotiate with our kids. We negotiate life's a negotiation, they say, right? And then you totally. talk about negotiations, really just conversation. So for our listeners, how can we get better at negotiating? Just high level. I know you don't know every listener individually, but just high level. Some here's here's what you need to do. Yeah, I, I mean, I think at the highest level, it's it's shifting the lens from how how do I. How do I get on the same side of the table with the person I'm negotiating with? How how do I, at some level, create and build a great relationship with the person I'm negotiating with, so that, at some level, they 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 want to help create an outcome that 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 is optimal, potentially for for both of us. So, you know, I would say turn defensiveness into curiosity inside of these mm-hmm. conversations. A lot of times. I remember when I'd be negotiating for my guys or, or, you know, you want to come over the table when they tell you they don't think he's worth X or Y. And, but you've got to get curious in that moment instead of getting defensive or angry or frustrated. Um, you know, I think something that's counterintuitive is add value to the mm-hmm. people that you want to negotiate with. Add value. And people often overlook that. Wait a minute. I'm going to like give and pour into the person that I'm trying to. Yes. Because you can create a dynamic at some level where you've added so much value mm-hmm. and and demonstrated at some level a level of, of, of care for the relationship that it helps create a conversation, which is what negotiation is, that is more productive and healthy. I think what people forget is that at the end of the day, negotiation is a conversation. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. And so... And then, and then I would say the, uh, another high level would be the, you know, what I call in the book, the power of the pause, which is, you know, so often when people negotiate, 
they, you know, if you've built a strong relationship, if you've added value along the way, if you then ask for what you want, zip it after you do it. In other words, people will will say, you know, here's the deal. I mean, I think it's 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 10 million a year over three years with the following. Ask for what you want tight and then shut up. Because what happens is if you've done all those foundational things, you can say, you know, yes, we're firm. Yes, 10 million a year. And stop and hold that space. And the pause is hard. It's really hard. But it is sending a powerful message in that moment that you're fairly comfortable with your position. And here's the deal. A pause can be 30 seconds, a minute, a week a month, but pause. And and, and we teach this methodology because when you've built the foundation and you've built the relationship, you can create a pause. I was negotiating a player's contract once down at spring training. And I remember great relationship with the general manager. I mean, amazing friendship still to this day. And we were pretty sideways on this contract. I mean, we were really far apart. And I remember looking at him, we were at this high top having some appetizers. And I remember looking at him when he sort of came in firm with a number and I said, I'm gonna need a minute, man. And I got up from the table and walked outside for like five minutes and really had to kind of gather my thoughts. And what I can say is I knew he wasn't gonna get up and leave the table. He had a great relationship, he wasn't going anywhere. And I think that's, important and and you can create that safety through connection in advance that creates stability and better outcomes mm-hmm. throughout the conversation. I love it. And you said have the courage to ask for what you want and I love it. And then so you've got a very popular podcast. You get incredible guests on there. A lot of our listeners have podcasts uh and they reach out to people all the time. Even if they don't have a podcast like, "Hey, can you come on the show, or if it's not a podcast, hey, can you help with this? Or do you wanna grab lunch? Um, so I'm curious to know, so how do you find, like you've had Matthew McConaughey on your show, guy gets asked a thousand times a day probably to be on podcasts. One, how do you find out how to reach out to him? And then how do you get him on the show? Well, Eric, you're kind and, and it is such a blessing, isn't it? I mean, I, I feel so grateful to be able to have these kinds of conversations with such incredible people like McConaughey. We had Davo Sweeney, Gino Ariyama. And, um, you know, I, I will tell you, it's my team. I, I am beyond grateful for my team because they are the ones that do the heavy lifting here. They are the ones that 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 reach out, that know that a book is releasing, that know that there's something that potentially an individual is trying to promote or 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 share or a thought leadership sort of moment for someone or and they do all of that and um and then you know i have a team that helps write the questions and they, they you know there's so often in a in a conversation somebody will go man those questions are awesome and so I, I wish I could tell you exactly how they do it. I would say it's it's anchored in consistency, awareness, timeliness, um, listening to our fans who listen to the show and, and saying and understanding what do they want to hear? Who do they want to hear from? And, and then I think at the core, too, it's 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 having great conversations with the people that come on the podcast 
so that the people that are considering coming on the podcast know that it's a very safe and well-prepared conversation that will lift that guest up where the guest is talking 80% of the time and I'm talking 20. Um, so I think, you know, like everything in life, often too, the product can sell itself. And I think when a potential guest listens to the show, they go, okay, yeah, I'm down. You know, I'm down, I'm in. And, and, and that's incredibly important too. I love it. And then what about a lot of folks that they're trying to get out there to speak, not at your level, they might just speak for free on behalf. They're trying to build their company, their personal brand. But at some point, there's a consideration set. Hey, we're going to have three. I'm going to get specific here because you're dealing with it right now. And, sure. and this will be relevant for anyone, no matter what business you do. But you're on a call. It's like, Molly, we're down to three speakers. You're one and considered. We're going to have the Zoom conversation with the client. What are some of your go to questions that you utilize in that meeting? Because a lot of times you probably know this. I've read it in your books that it's really the questions you ask that are more important than the answers you give. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll rewind the tape a little bit, Eric, because it feels relevant. Um, you know, one, when 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 I started speaking, I was just like what you just alluded to. I mean, I was speaking to university athletic departments, um, sports administration programs, um, you know, like local town hall ish things for free. And, you know, I think what I often tell people is the more you speak, the more you speak. And um, now I feel very blessed. I mean, I have a team around me who vets the incoming speaking requests and has those conversations um, for me. I, you know, we have a, a you know, a, a YouTube channel. And I think one of the things that I always tell people that want to speak more is anyone that's going to put you in front of the most important people in their world. Mm -hmm. They've got to see you in a lot of different circumstances with longer clips than a three second, you know, vin you know, little, little vignettes. They've got to see that you could hold a room for five, 10, 15, 30 minutes and know that, that you've done it a lot. And so, you know, I think I feel blessed because I'm at that point now. So very rarely do I actually do what you just described anymore. But when I do book a keynote and I'm on a pre-call for a keynote, which I do pre-calls before every single keynote, because to me, I want to get in the head and the heart of the audience deeply so that I can connect to them. If there was a pre-booking call, for example, to your, to, to your point, um, you know, I think you want to be really clear on what is the one thing that you're uniquely positioned to speak about. Mm -hmm. I think one of the mistakes people make is they have like five topics on their website. Like, really? You you can't be, I mean, honestly, right. I, I think that was a mistake that I made early on. It was like, oh, I could talk about all these things. And it's like, what's the one thing that you can really talk about mm -hmm. in a way that's unique and different? Um, than, than anybody else. And so, you know, I want, I want to ask a lot of questions. What's working for the people in the room? What's not working? What are the best people in the room, room doing that we want everybody else in the room to do? If we could fast forward three, three months from now, what are, the, what are the behavior changes that we've driven toward with the people in the room? What are they doing differently 
than, than anybody else. Are relationships important? How is their energy? Do they negotiate at all? Get me inside of that. Um, if, if it's a sales team, what's the sales cycle? How many relationships are they managing? Are there any new products or services that they're trying to promote? Um, is there any acronyms, language that you lean into as an organization that I would want to be able to, to know? Those things are incredibly important because I think the more that you can meet them right where they are, Mm -hmm. the more that you can connect and the more that you can add value. So those are just a few things that come up for me, but I could go on and on on that topic. I love, I love it. No, it's so good. And it's really consistent because you're saying get on the other side of the table, meet them where they are. So that's just such sage advice, whether you're parenting a teenager or whether yeah. it's in business or whether you're negotiating a contract for John Smoltz, that's, that's outstanding. Go ahead, the sorry. only other thing I'd add on that, to, for whether you're speaking for a fee or whether you're speaking for free, that that a friend of mine shared with me that I thought was really cool, which is, you know, when you when you get introduced to keynote or speak, whether it's free or whatever the situation may be, often they're going to read your bio or your or your quote unquote accolades, right? They're 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 sort of saying, here's why this person is uniquely positioned to speak in front of you and take your time, your precious time. So I think it's incredibly important within the first minute, two minutes. First of all, you're physically often above them. You're on a stage, right? You've just been teed up with all these incredible things about you, right? So I think the very first thing that you need to do, and I think this is a really important thing, is you want to get yourself down physically to that. So I lead with a self-deprecating story out of the gates, And there's a thousand of them, trust me, that I could tap into. But I want to lead with something that is very, very, you know, at some level self-deprecating so that I because you're already been teed up, you're already physically above them. You got to get yourself for them to know that that all those things may be true. But but there's a lot of things that I'm, you you know, you you just want to lead with some some humor and self-deprecation, which is how I open usually. That's super smart advice because they always they have you like this person walks on water you come out and you're like okay look we're all kind of doing this we're putting our pants on one leg at a time uh, so that's fantastic now 90 second answer on this one as we wrap things up best advice you've been given you can have it all but you can't have it all at once nice I like it that's fantastic for my mom I could go on and on she's given me all of it moms are great Midwest moms Michigan moms I love it Amen, Midwest man. Values. I love it. I love it. And my wife always says people from the Midwest, they're big and nice. <laughs> so well, good. you're probably pretty. I mean, since you played hoops, man, how tall are you? Six, seven. Yeah. So yeah, oh, okay. fun. But that's another story for another day. I was like a, a walk, a water boy walk on this scholarship. And then I love that you're the captain there. It's great. So go green. Uh, but no, it's so great. Molly Fletcher. I mean, I hope to get you back on. It's hard. Your schedule's crazy, but just to get you back on the show, because our listeners, I, I learned so much here today, and I hope to see you in Atlanta, old stomping ground, or up in Michigan, or, or out on the stage someplace soon. But uh, where can people find out more more about you? Where can they follow you, podcast, everything? Because people want to go, I want more of that information. It's going to help me out. So thanks for asking, Eric. I would say Game Changers with Molly Fletcher is a terrific place to start. And then, of course, I'm on Instagram, uh, Molly Fletcher. So check that out there, too. Love it. Molly Fletcher, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the content. She's fantastic. Thanks for joining us here today, Molly, uh, on the Super U Podcast. Can't thank you enough. Thanks for having me. 
Wow, what an amazing conversation with Molly Fletcher. Love it. Go green, baby. Go white. She's a Michigan State Spartan. We're there. What a small world. We're there around the same time, including the governor of Michigan currently was also there at the same time. And we, we didn't even know it. Then we lived in Atlanta. We're probably, we're probably hit seeing each other out, out and about in Atlanta. Didn't even know it. But uh, what a fantastic uh, gift that she gave us today with all those wonderful insights. Uh, so happy she joined us. We'll try to get her back on the show as well. And thanks to our great team here at Equal Man Studios. That is Maritza Gutierrez, Jake Brin, and also Kelsey Gomez, who help bring this show to you each and every week. And a big thank you to you. Thanks for all the support. Uh, keep those emails coming in. Thanks for uh, clicking on those five stars out there. It helps so many people discover the show, and the show continues to grow. And it's all because of you. You are great. Thanks for being there from the get-go. Or if you're just joining us, I hope you enjoyed it. Send us any thoughts that you have at equalman at equalman.com. Again, our guest today, Molly Fletcher. You can find out more about her, Game Changers. That's her podcast. Again, Molly Fletcher. Uh, But until next time, we just need the courage to wear the cape. We're all superheroes out there. Uh, That's what this podcast is all about. It's unlocking and unleashing that superpower that's within all of us. And most importantly, the greatest superpower we have, it's not flying. It's not x-ray vision, although... I always say that'd be cool. We'd have a lot more dates. Uh, The greatest superpower is actually serving others. So until next time, this is Equal Man reminding all of us, it's not what we take from the world. It is what we leave behind. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Super, 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 super. Super you. 